Karen, I'm not sure my observations are accurate, but a topic that's not preached about all that much is sin. Sin. Mm-hmm. Can you recall <laughs> hearing a sermon about sin recently? Well, I grew up in a church there. They pretty much covered sin every Sunday morning. So maybe just the, this, this is sort of an adjustment to positive theology. Maybe people don't sin as much as they used to, and it's not as relevant. I don't think that's the problem. Well, this time together, I would like to talk about a specific category of sins, and not to make people feel uncomfortable, but rather to be of help if this sin is one with which they struggle. Sound okay? Sounds good. Welcome to the Before We Go podcast, featuring Dr. David Maines and his wife, noted author, Karen Maines. Here's David and Karen Maines. Secret sins. That's the category to which I was referring. Karen, who are biblical characters you think of when I say secret sins? Well, sort of the big guy is King David. I mean, he was an extraordinary biblical character, a poet and a Musician. Leader, a musician, a warrior, a leader of men, you know, an extraordinary story. I don't know why there haven't been more movies made over the life on the life of David, but he lusted in his heart after someone else's wife and took her to bed with him, and that caused him all kinds of problems because then he had to get rid of the husband who had come and not had conjugal rights from war, not had conjugal rights with his wife, but she became pregnant. Yeah. And so David then had that. Had to cover that. That covered. And the husband was killed in battle because David commanded that the troops would withdraw from him in battle and leave him alone. So, well, quite a lot of secret sins going on there. Really profoundly affected his life, and eventually the prophet Nathan had to come and say, you're the guilty party. Yeah, you're the guilty party. Totally different type of thing, but I think back in the book of Genesis, Karen, uh, the story of Joseph, Mm. a wonderful biblical character, but as a young brother, he was sold by his other brothers as a slave into Egypt. Actually, the brothers had wanted to kill him. They were planning to murder Mm. him. And they were the, weren't they the sons of one wife? Several wives, yeah. Several wives, and this mm-hmm. one. This was the youngest son of their... Favorite wife. Of of, of the father's favorite wife, mm-hmm. but he was also in his old age when this young boy, this young child was born. So you can see how the jealousy lines up there. But those those brothers carried that secret sin in their lives for years. So they years. sold him to traveling passerby slave traders. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, can you imagine what that did to the group dynamic? Wow. I, I have one other uh, just observation as we get into this topic, but this is in the book of Acts. A totally different, a just tragic response that happened. This is Ananias and Sapphira. A married couple. Married couple. It was the early church. and they Filled with the power of the Holy Spirit and new conversions. I mean, extraordinary stories come out of the, well, mm-hmm. the Acts of the Apostles actually mm-hmm. are the stories. These people sold a property, mm-hmm. and came and gave money from that property to the church, okay. which was kind of common in that time, and uh, said they gave everything. In fact, we're asked about this. First of all, it was the husband. He said, yep, we gave the whole thing. Was it Ananias? That's his okay. name. Yeah. Ananias and Sapphira. <laughs> Me to make a little gender distinction. And Ananias no sooner got the words out of his mouth than the Lord <gasps> struck him dead. Then his wife, I think the scripture says while they were taking him out, pulling him by the feet probably, his wife came in and they asked her the same question and she lied in the very same way. Bam, she was wow. dead. Wow. Yeah, so a secret sin. That, that that had a 
ramifications. So we're asking our listeners to kind of, you know, go along with us here. Any secret sins that they are hiding in their lives? We've been examining ourselves as we put these thoughts together. Mm -hmm. Uh, Non-biblical names that come to mind related to secret sins. Oh, they're huge, aren't they? Mm -hmm. I mean, our history seems to be filled with Secret sins that get acted on. Mm-hmm. People who fraud, commit fraud. You think you got a specific name? Well, I'm, you know, one of our hobbies is Shakespeare, and I'm uh, thinking of the Macbeths. Yeah, the great yeah. classic drama where Macbeth murders the king, Duncan. Because the witches prophesy that he will be. He'd be great. So and that sort of grabs him. Think about that the three witches, and they're never portrayed on stage as beautiful, lovely women. <laughs> Always no. look haggard and witch like, but they, but they somehow they captured his imagination idea. of what yeah. he could be. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think of that scene where Lady Macbeth uh, is walking in her sleep and her conscience is terribly t- troubled, and she says, "Will these hands never be clean?" Well, she's t- trying to wash the blood off of yeah. them in her sleep. I mean, it's yeah. an extraordinary. Can, we've seen that play a number of times. You can see the actress, you know, wringing her hands. I think it's an extraordinary. All the perfumes of Arabia will not sweeten this little hand. Yeah, uh, and mm-hmm. you wonder how many people in the audience kind of relate to her because of things in their past or their present mm-hmm. that are are those secret sins, and you know they feel like they're never going to be clean from it. Wow. I think in terms of our own country, I think of Richard Nixon. Yeah, well, that name is, of course, because of the recent impeachment dialogue that's mm-hmm. gone on unendingly for months. We've gone back into the other impeachments, and, of course, he was he was a president who resigned before he could be impeached. The handwriting was on the wall for him. Do you think uh, secret sins are a problem still, or is that just kind of uh, passe? I think in our morally collapsing generation, where... You know, we we were raised where a, a person's word or man's word. I mean, it was a man's word was his bond. If you said yes, you meant yes. If you said no, you meant no. And so that kind of morality, that kind of truthfulness, the respect for truthfulness, is just not a part of our age. It's kind of who can get by with the most. So I would say, yeah, there are lots of people who have lots of secret sins, and we're seeing it come out. We can't. You know, the impeachment hearings uh, were interesting or have been interesting because it seemed to just circle down from the leaders in that top echelon of leadership to a a whole circle of people who got pulled into stuff that perhaps they would not have chosen to be a part of. It just was a really interesting study. Let's not just talk about other people. Let's get very personal. Oh, dear. (laughs) You identify it all with the term (laughs) secret sins. Yeah, I, I really understand the concept. I think more in the past, partly because of the spiritual disciplines I have been, people have graciously introduced me to or going to scripture and trying to be obedient and then understand why why obedience works in those cases as far as what to do with our sins, the whole process of self-examination. I don't know how much that is integrated into our everyday lives, but certainly very important and certainly a topic that the church needs to be helping people 
develop uh, self-examination, self-awareness. To, not to make people feel guilty, but to be to helpful them, to them and free to them. To free right? them mm-hmm. from the power of secret sins in their life. Yeah, in fact, these these are the words of the psalmist you referred to before. When I kept silence, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So so that's what we want for people to be able to do. And that again, that psalmist was King David, who we talked about as a classic secret sinner <laughs> at the beginning of this podcast. Well, probably to some degree, all of us are classic Se- secret, secret sinners. sinners. Although I believe over a period of time, people like David mm-hmm. can confess their sins and find freedom of that. Sometimes there's the ramifications that will continue on for a long period of time. And uh, that that's unfortunate. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, there is a freedom that comes from the awareness that God has forgiven you those secret sins. If I reduce what we're just wanting to communicate as a freeing process, mm-hmm. it would be this simple sentence. Secret sins need to be named and confessed. Mm-hmm. Okay, So if we name our secret sin, and I, I think probably that's the easier part for people, and if people say, well, there are a whole lot of them, you know. I'm not, I'm not sure it's easy for the novice. I think that what we do is rationalize our secrets. And I was mistreated. And so I got back in a vengeful way and did something that, that I'm ashamed of now. Or I was raised in an, an abusive family. And so I still have pain from that. And I, I modulate my pain by drinking too much and yeah okay, okay probably a, a little alcoholic so it's that kind of thing it's rather than excusing it excusing or explaining it away rather than facing it right on such as david did in that psalm oh he didn't have much choice well he didn't he was cornered as we yes. said before but that's that's often often the way the lord works is he corners us until we really recognize our own errors and take responsibility for them and then begin to say i'm not going to do this anymore and, and I want to change my, I, God help me change my life. So there has to be this transformative thinking process that needs to go on. Uh, in that short sentence I gave, I'm going to emphasize the last word because that's where people really find Repeat help. Repeat it again. Secret sins need to be named and confessed. Okay. And all that makes sense, except that I'm not sure most people know how to confess their uh-huh. sins to uh-huh. the degree that they feel like they've been released from this, they've been forgiven. Well, I think when there's self-awareness, the the procedure seems to be looking at my own life. <laughs> you confess it to yourself. You say, oh, wow, I really blew it. Um, I cheated that grocer when they over gave me too much money back. Two dollars more than they should have, and I didn't take it back. But I have a tendency to to get away, try and get away with this sort of stuff. So we say it to ourselves, and then we say, "Okay, you can't do that anymore," and that's a, a, a lack of character. God will not be pleased with that. But I think what we're being taught to do is to um, first of all confess it to God. And, um, but probably have an open confession. The, the rule is this. As long as things are secret, they have power over us. Anything you hide, 
from others that is wrong or ill-doing doing, doing or what would become categorized as sin. If we hide it and keep it secret, it, ha- it has power over us. When we take it and bring it into the light, when we name it for what it is, it, it frees us from the tentacles. It's like someone dig- has dug their fingernails into your soul. It releases us from the, the tendency of that thing to have power over us. So scripture gives methodologies whereby we can overcome these hidden sins in our lives, their past power on us or their present power on us, and that is confession. And that generally, for most of us, is going to have to be open confession. When you say open, it doesn't mean you're standing in front of the... It might. It, might. it could. It's it possible. could. Yeah. But for the most part, I think people we're talking to, that probably means going to someone who is trusted. Mm-hmm. And saying, I can't seem to find release from this just between myself and the Lord. So mm-hmm. I'm asking you to hear me. Mm-hmm. And I would like for you to pronounce that I have been forgiven because of God's word. Or just, and that's usually going to be a minister, Karen, or a priest. Well, the, it, it can come in a lot of ways. It depends what's going on in a person's life. I mean, a lot of what happens in the psychologist's office is coming to terms with those things that have gone wrong in our past and then coming to terms with our own error. But there isn't, in that openness is great, but sometimes there isn't the reminder from those people because they work in a secular field and they have, some are not faith-based people. And sometimes they're wonderful faith-based and they can, yeah, people. They, they and can sometimes be, they're wonderful in terms of their profession. But they often have to pronounce the fact that you are forgiven. Mm-hmm. You need to hear that from that's, another person's voice very often. That's the role often. of the minister many times. Let me go back to where this can happen. You can have a small group of people that you have met with you know, monthly for three or four years. And so there's a trust level and a safety level that has begun to begun to be build among those people. A mixed group, mixed sex, gender group, or it can be a group of men, a group of women. So at that point, if you will say to them, I have been being convicted of something that I've held in my heart for too long, would you enter into prayer with me? And so can I tell you what it is? And will you hear my confession? That's a holy moment. And then those people will respond. This is in James, uh, in the New Testament, it says, confess your sins to one another, which is exactly what you're talking that's what about. I'm, and that's often what happens. Mm-hmm. When one person leads with that kind of vulnerability, then others lean forward. You watch it in the group. There's a body language. Lean forward. Eyes are intently focused on that person who, who is confessing. And then often people will say, well, as long as we're at it, there's something I wish you would pray for me about, you know, that's kind of a confession that grows. And it has impact on the group. Or it can be between spouses. Mm-hmm. You know, there are times I say to you, I was really cranky today. I just, I'm sorry too often recently, unfortunately. I'm sorry that I got cranky. I was overtired. And you accept that confession from me. And that's a hugely healing thing. However, the church provides a format and a formula for this. So you want to name some of those things. Well, churches have communion services. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they go by quickly and there's not the seriousness that there should be. And Mm -hmm. other times confession is is made very uh, significant in that service, especially if the sermon has been on that topic and if you preach on that topic, you are almost certain that you are dealing with people on a very intimate level. Mm-hmm. So the confession time, say at a communion when you go to the rail and you uh-huh. lean and you say, Lord, I don't want to partake of the elements, 
without you first hearing me say that I have been unfaithful in this given area, either mm-hmm. with my words or my actions. Mm-hmm. In fact, those things are already said in the formal confession of the church in many churches. In liturgical Sinned against you in thought, word, and deed yeah. by mm-hmm. what we've done, what we've left undone. Right. And as you say it with a congregation, you're saying it yourself along with with the awareness that God knows exactly what is going on. Mm-hmm. And you can ask, you, you can say, Father, I have sinned, mm-hmm. or Pastor, I have sinned, and that person can pray over you. Not even naming it, it may not be that that's the time to name that sin. But it is a good thing to name it. It's, again, releasing the power to hold a secret sin mm-hmm. we'll have when it's unnamed. It's also possible, Karen, apart from the formal services of the church, to actually set up an appointment with a minister. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. some liturgical churches can um, encourage that sort of thing mm-hmm. to happen. Yes. The first time we were going to an Episcopal church for the first time, we were in broadcasting and had a a large listening audience. It was estimated about 2 million, million people a day. That was called the Chapel of the Air Daily Broadcast. And But we realized that you know, maybe a quarter of our audience was from liturgical churches, and we knew nothing about it. So we joined a small group and started to attend a, a liturgical church, and that confession was part of their process, something they offered. So I remember the first time I dragged myself in to talk with our pastor, their married priest in the Episcopal Church, about an, a, an error in my life. And um, as he was trained to do and has done probably hundreds of times, he listened to me confess to him where I was in error. Now, <laughs> I was uh, traveling all over the country speaking. I'd run, written all kinds of books that was well known in the religious, certain religious circles. For me to humble myself and do that, was a true what's called efficacy in my life. The very act of doing that uh, was extraordinarily powerful. But even more powerful, apart from even his gentle presence being there as I made that confession, were the words he spoke to me of the fact that God had heard my prayer and that he had forgiven me my sins. And you, and you basically, you know, told to go and sin no more. So I, I learned, even though that was not a part of my my traditional church background, we were Baptist. I was Baptist growing up, and that wasn't a part of their their tradition. I learned the power of confession in those moments, in open confession. And it was an extraordinary experience for me. Let's say someone is listening to us and says, you just haven't scratched my itch quite yet. <laughs> you got a couple more words you can give. I'm not going to go to a high church, I'm not going to go to a liturgical church, I'm a part of the Assembly of God, Methodist, uh-huh. you know, or um, what I can name many. I, I would just find a worthy spiritual leader and just say, I have this thing that's been haunting me, and I need to tell it to someone, and I need, as Scripture is moving me to do, to confess it, and will you listen to me, do that, and pray for me. And there isn't anyone I know who has spiritual depth who wouldn't be avail, avail themselves to do that. Even sometimes just good friends, David. And you, even some, that's very fair, and, and I, I'm very much a churchman. Even going to the church, no one's there. No one's there. You just go up and you kneel at the rail. and If, if there in, is a railing, front row, if, yeah, whatever. <laughs> if there's no railing. And, and if someone comes in, you take it as, that, as providence, uh-huh. and you say, I'm here because I've sinned, uh-huh. and I'm just asking for forgiveness. Uh-huh. And if the person says, can I help you, you say, yeah, just put your arm around me and just stay Or your stay hand here. on my back, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, I, I'm not, I may pray out loud, I may not pray out loud, but uh, just be here with me. 
it's taking those steps, and you will know. Mm-hmm. You will know whether you you are released because God has heard you, and either the person will speak it to you if you have that need, or God will speak to you and say, "You are forgiven. I love you. You know, go and sin no more." That that great word from Jesus to the woman taking an Th- adultery. That's such an extraordinary story, and many of our listeners yeah. may not be biblically literate. So mm-hmm. there's a and, and this. Our highly sensitized, feminized conversation that we're having in these modern days, a group of men, hypocrites probably. Probably some of them religious men. Yeah, had brought a a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. In the the Old Testament law... Oh, you'd stone her. You'd stone her. Um, And anyone who has watched on video the modern stoning of people will know how horrific an act that was. So they brought her to this young, rising Jewish star, Rabbi. Mm -hmm. Jesus. Jesus. um, And told... Well, they asked him, this is what the law said, should we stone her? Yeah, putting him on the spot. Mm -hmm. And then Jesus, the story is so beautiful. He doesn't respond to them right away, but he just starts to write with his finger in in the ground, Mm -hmm. probably dusty. Mm Mm-hmm. And my guess is that he writes the name of someone in the group, plus that person's sin, secret sin, then another. And it says one by one they began to leave because they're dealing with someone who knows them intimately now. And finally they're all gone. And then what does he say to the woman? Well, this interaction is drama at its highest. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you want to know the nature of Jesus Christ, nothing could be more compelling than the story mm-hmm. so central to who he was he looks at her and say does no one condemn you mm-hmm. <laughs> she says no one lord no one lord and what does he say says neither do i condemn you now go and sin no more oh it's just an extraordinary mm-hmm. extraordinary story i have found in my own life that's how jesus is mm-hmm. he basically is very gentle and gracious i understand I'm not condemning you anymore. You're forgiven. I'll go and sin no more. Right. Mm -hmm. So what we want people to hear as they're wrestling with a secret sin is the fact that when they go to God, and some of this is going in tears and agony Mm -hmm. and saying, I have sinned against you and I have sinned against my fellow humans. Mm -hmm. And this is the name of my sin. Will you please forgive me? Then what they need to do is listen in their inner selves, remember, hear those words that Jesus spoke to that woman. Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. You've been listening to the Before We Go podcast. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please remember to rate, review, and share on whatever platform you listen. This podcast is copyright 2020 by Mainstay Ministries, Post Office Box 30, Wheaton, Illinois, 60189.